This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guests are Karina Virginia and Dharam Khalsa. Karina has been a certified yoga instructor in the Kundalini and Hatha Yoga schools for nearly 20 years. She released the acclaimed Kundalini Yoga video, Abundance and Miracles, in 2013, and also released her iTunes app, Relax and Attract with Karina, in 2014. She writes for the Huffington Post, as well as her own blog, and currently resides with her family in New York City. Dharmkalsa has been teaching kundalini yoga since 1980, and spent many years as a close student and staff member of Yogi Bhajan, serving as his personal assistant for nearly a decade. Dharm is a minister of the Sikh faith, and has also recorded four albums of mantra music, He teaches kundalini yoga workshops throughout the United States and Europe and currently resides at the Kundalini Ashram community in Española, New Mexico. With Sounds True, Dharm and Karina have teamed up to create a new book, Essential Kundalini Yoga, an invitation to radiant health, unconditional love, and the awakening of your energetic potential. Essential Kundalini Yoga offers a clear, comprehensive instruction in many of the key insights and practices of kundalini yoga, from philosophy and lifestyle, to working with anatomy and physical asana, to activating our energy bodies. Essential kundalini yoga is a uniquely practical and in-depth manual. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Karina Dharma and I spoke about what is unique about kundalini yoga and how it's considered to be the yoga of energy and the personal energy that can be awakened within the body with kundalini yoga. And we talked about what it means to awaken your kundalini and Karina's understanding of experiencing bliss. We also talked about the core principles of kundalini yoga and the potential we all hold to achieve awakening through kundalini. Dharm and Kareen also took us through two different practices, giving us a taste of what the energetic potential of kundalini is actually like. And finally, we spoke about the love frequency phenomenon and how we can use mantras as a form of transportation to take us from fear into love. Here's my conversation with Karina and Dharm. I'd love to know from both of you right here at the outset, what makes kundalini yoga different from other kinds of yoga that perhaps people are more familiar with, such as traditional hatha yoga approaches? What's unique about kundalini yoga 
And Karina, please go ahead and start us off here. Mm, I'd love to. So Kundalini Yoga is a yoga that integrates mantra, breath work, postures that are very different than Hatha postures. Um, you're not necessarily going to be moving through a flow or sun salutations. You're not doing a specific sequence each time. But you are working with a technology that becomes very scientific in its sequence being different each time and the sequence being specifically organized for a specific outcome. So sometimes there will be rapid breathing with a very rapid movement. Other times, for example, this morning I taught a class where everybody went into downward facing dog and had to walk around the entire room in downward facing dog. And sometimes people laugh, you know, because they're just random things that, that come up. Um, but with Hatha yoga, you can really think about, okay, what's next? And are we going to be going into a warrior pose now? And does this teacher normally put us into backbends towards the end of class? Do we do shoulder stand? In Kundalini yoga, you never know what's coming. And so you just sit there and wait for the instructor to let you know what's next, and sometimes it can be quite profound. And, and that's what's exciting and really fun about kundalini yoga. Dharm, what might you add to that? Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, the, the thing that I love about kundalini yoga is that it's the yoga of energy, that we're really working not just on stretching a leg, but what is the energy that's flowing through that leg? Kundalini, the word, refers to, to energy, our personal energy, that can be awakened within the body. And when that happens, all sorts of really wonderful potentials can be expressed. Physical potentials for health, for radiance, and that's the wonderful name that's in the, in the name of the book, the radiance, um, for the feeling of being loved and being able to love, and that's also in the title, and then expressing our potential. We have tons of potential that people can't get to, and they know it's there. They know they were born to do something. What I've seen again and again and again with Kundalini Yoga, how life-changing it is. So mm-hmm. in a class, yeah, you're going to be working not you're going to be working with your body, but you're going to be working on changing your energy, and that's what I would say would be the key of it. And I think a lot of people might have an idea about what Kundalini is. It's often described as a serpent coiled at the base of the spine. And at some point, Mm -hmm. if you do Mm -hmm. enough kundalini yoga, or perhaps you're fortunate enough to be struck by lightning or meet with a spiritual master, your quote-unquote kundalini might awaken. Mm -hmm. And I know people have questions. Is my kundalini awakened? Is it in the process of awakening? How would I even know? So I'm curious to know how you both would weigh in on this question of kundalini awakening and if there's some line that you cross at some point you know now i can tell that person's kundalini is awake (laughs) i can see it in their eyes what's your response to that it's different for everybody and um i don't think you can really practice kundalini without some sort of awakening that takes place In terms of having a full kundalini awakening, 
I've never seen anybody experience this, like, transformation where they change personalities or anything like that. But there's a consciousness and a awareness of life that happens just from the beginning of the practice, the, the beginning of, of our own personal practices. But I believe that we're born into this world through um, different dimensions and that some of us are born with more of an awareness while others are born with maybe a little bit more of a simple awareness of just seeing things with the physical eyes, hearing things with the physical ears. And that sometimes for people who are born with a little bit more of the simple senses, the kundalini awakening can feel a lot more intense. For those that are born already quite awake, the kundalini feeling can actually feel like, oh, wow, I finally found my way home. So it really depends on the person. And what what the kundalini awakening um, is about is that that serpent that starts at the base of the spine that activates and balances all the chakras in the body all the way up through the top of the head. And that what we're doing is we're really we're really activating our fullest potential because there are dormant parts of us that we close off. We may close off our heart. We may close off our, our second chakra. We, we may close off our third eye point. Um, and the third eye point, as most people on this call probably know, is the point of intuition. So if we're closing that off and then we have this kundalini awakening and all of a sudden the sixth chakra is is awakened, we're going to have an awareness of a lot more than what we see with the physical eyes and hear with the physical ears. So for some people, they may all of a sudden experience different dimensions, and that might be how they consider their kundalini awakening. For someone like me, I was born kind of with a very heightened awareness. So when I found kundalini yoga, it was a feeling of, wow, thank God that there's a practice where I can experience this with people who are also experiencing this. So that's why I like to say it really depends on on our starting point. Now, Karina, just to ask a clarifying question, Mm -hmm. you say experience bliss. What do you mean Mm. by that? Wow, that's a good question. Um, Experience heaven on earth. Experience the miraculous. It feels like no matter how chaotic the world appears, there is a gentle flow of absolute perfection. It feels very um, vulnerable, very beautiful, very peaceful, um, very much like I want to speak to as many people as I possibly can in this exact second and say, please have some of this. Please just take this. I want to open my heart, open my hands and say, have some of this because this is what you need. Yes, I understand what's happening in the earth dimension. Yes, I understand pain, but I also know how to transcend it by bringing the higher dimensions in. And that's the experience that I'm talking about. So in your own life, you had a sense of this even before you found the practice of kundalini yoga. And then when you started doing the practice, 
it was like a homecoming where you rest in this state. Yes, and as a child, I was always able to see beyond the earth dimension, and I was told that that was very strange, and so I learned how to to shut it down. And then when I was 12, I had a near-death experience, and that activated it again. And then I went into high school thinking I really want to fit in into the box where I cannot be separate, and most people don't understand this. So I went back into that place. Let me be a cheerleader. Let me be this. And then by the time I got to college, when I was 18, I finally said, okay, enough of that. And I I embraced it, and that's when I I found um, my my spiritual practices. And um, my greatest joy, besides being with my babies... (laughs) because I love being a mom, but my greatest joy besides that is teaching because when I watch other people have the experience, it just brings tears to my eyes. And when I see, when I observe some of the miracles and the healing um, and the, the, um, the knowing and these hearts opening, these auras um, expanding and the, and the knowing that comes over, um, the person as their soul expands, and I watch their eyes fill with tears. I just think this is this is what life's all about. And Darm, if you could tell me a little bit about your understanding of Kundalini awakening, and also your experience of that as well. The the term awakening is a good one. It really feels like your cells waking up your body waking up, and your consciousness waking up. You know, when we're asleep in bed, um, we're all there, heart's beating, mind is going, our eyes are looking at dreams or whatever they are. And then something happens where we wake up. If you (laughs) were to try to describe that to somebody, I don't know how you would do it, but the Kundalini experience, I think, is a lot like that. I think it's actually something we all know. We all, like Karina was talking about feeling this sense of reassuredness. She always knew these other dimensions were there. And then with the Kundalini, she was like, oh yeah, this is what I have been tapped into Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And some people wake up, you know, and jump out of bed in the morning and they're off and running. And other people take a long time to wake up. And is there a scale of more or less awake? I don't think we can answer these questions. But I can tell you for sure that that um, I was quite asleep. I mean, what Karina was talking about as a child, I certainly had a lot of awarenesses that I think that children do. Um, but when I, I do distinctly remember being in college and starting to practice Kundalini Yoga and walking out of my dorm and seeing things clearly and saying, wow, I never noticed that. I never noticed the sharpness of these images. So literally my senses were, were becoming awakened. And... Um, I think it just goes on and on from there. Ultimately, ultimately, that awakening is to the love that is flowing through us in our breathing, in our consciousness, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we can share with each other. Mm-hmm. And we get attuned to that. Uh, physically, I would say there's a, a, often a sensation of, of a heat in the spine. A lot of people report that, but a lot of people don't either. Um, people wake up in different ways, just like they wake up in the morning. So Kundalini uh, definitely is about awakening. I love that, that, that title of awakening. 
And I like what you're saying, Dottam, because I think it's really important to add the love. It's awakening to love. It's awakening. What guru means is from darkness to light. And we use the word guru in Kundalini Yoga all the time. From fear to love. From unconsciousness to consciousness. That's the meaning of guru, 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 wahi guru, wahi guru. Wahi guru means wow, here and now, guru. Darkness becomes light. So the awakening is always when kundalini yoga taught by yogi bhajan is practiced always an awakening into light into love into the miraculous if you were to summarize for people the core principles if you will of kundalini yoga you know if you really had to distill it these are the main principles what would you say mm. these are good questions tammy um I think we, we have just talked about it. I think that we have a potential to awaken and that through the Kundalini Yoga, we can, we can achieve that potential. And I don't believe in a, in a mesa, in a plateau, um, that somebody is enlightened and somebody else isn't, like you throw on a switch. I think there's always an, God is infinite and there's an infinite uh, world around us, whatever you call that, great void. But, with Kundalini Yoga, we are working on that potential. And to me, that's a nutshell. The techniques themselves, they're ancient techniques from northern India, from the Himalaya area. They work with movement, with meditative movement, with breathing. We use sound in the form of sacred sound. Sound is one of the most powerful things in, the, in Kundalini Yoga because sound is vibration of atoms. Um, sacred geometry we also work with mm -hmm. so the postures might might actually represent a, a mudra in in the full body um, so you're integrating all these different aspects in one and it was kept secret for many many years because of the power why is that why would this powerful technology be released and not be made available to as many people as possible. Well, you know, it's it's without getting to you know without getting into politics or anything here. Um, the power is it wanted. It wanted. They wanted to keep it very selective. To Pretty you know, traditional too. Yeah. In, in in Eastern cultures, that you know, these things would be whispered into the eyes of the disciples. Many traditions have kind of these uh, secret things. And it holds the specialness, right, Karina, the, the treasure of it in a certain way? Yes. The reason I'm questioning this is that here are the two of you working together mm -hmm. to make Kundalini Yoga available to anyone who's interested. Yes. Absolutely. And clearly we live in a time where we need people to be activated and empowered. Yes. Yes. And fulfilling their destiny fully. Yes. And yes. in our time, this power of Kundalini Yoga is being made broadly available, and we need it. Yes. Yes. And there is no coincidence here. You know, Dudham and I have been working on this book for three years, and um, there's absolutely no coincidence that it is coming out at this time. And, and that, I believe, is orchestrated in a much higher realm. 
Um, I believe that this technology is a gift to so many people, especially if it's someone who doesn't know about the technology yet because it is so life-changing. And yes, it does, it does utilize a, a magic in truth, a beautiful magic. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to answer that question again. Why was it kept secret? It was the, the, the sages that were really, and, and the, you know, the, the kings that were really allowed to hold the power because they didn't want everybody to have the power. And so now we're living in a time where, yeah, we need to, we're all feeling this driving force inside of us to stand up for, for peace, right? Those of us that are on this podcast, we're feeling a, a rumbling inside of us that's saying, I need to speak truth. I need to do something. I need to, to, to activate this potential inside of me. I need to make a difference. I need to step out of my comfort zone. And when we don't, it hurts because, at least from my own experience, whenever I have felt a rumbling move through me, which I've always recognized as spirit moving through me, if I've been too afraid to act on it and I've repressed it, it's created a depression inside of me. And that depression hurts so much. So sometimes it's about recognizing, whoa, am I pressing this down or am I going to recognize that this powerful technology is here to enable me to move through the fear, to step forth as the divine is working through me, because we're all conduits to the divine. It's just a matter of turning that that vessel light on. Um, Or am I going to shrink back and say, oh, yes, I know, but uh, no, but I'm scared. Oh, uh, and go into that place of, oh, boy, now I'm depressed. Now I'm looking for any way out of my pain. Now maybe I'll go have a glass of wine. Now maybe I'll go shopping. Now maybe I'll go, et cetera. We're, we look for ways to continue numbing ourselves. Or we walk with courage. And either way, we are... Um, you know, we're, we're going to have experiences. But when we're tapped into the light, we can use the courage to activate these experiences and not be numbing ourselves, but instead be stepping into our truth, knowing that there's an army of support on the other side. And that's what happens with Kundalini Yoga. There's this, oh, wow, I'm being held. I am held. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive three free gifts just for visiting us. Go to soundstrue.com backslash free. That's soundstrue.com backslash free. And now back to Insights at the Edge. Let's give our listeners an actual taste, if you will, of a kundalini practice 
right here, a way that they can taste kundalini yoga for themselves. Can we do that? Sure. Dadam, do you want to go first? Okay. And, and I, I wanted to just add, <laughs> we're adding on each other, we'll never get to it, is that, is that um, you can step into this pretty lightly. Sometimes it sounds very daunting, and I think people don't want to be, you know, completely overtaken. They've got their life, they've got their homes, and of course they do. This yoga can serve people in any way. It doesn't, it doesn't require any signing up, life-changing kind of activities. It just takes a little bit of breathing and feeling great, or a little bit of movement and feeling great. And um, I don't want it to sound like it's, it's some overwhelmingly huge undertaking. So I think it's perfect that here we are on a podcast and we can share a couple of these things. That, that people can just get into without um, worrying that they're going to be in over their heads. Okay. okay. So um, a lot of times we talked about the energy, right? We have two sides of our body, the left side and the right side, and some of the main channels, we have energy channels running through our, our bodies in the, in the ancient yogic um, energy anatomy. Uh, and the Ida and the Pingala are the two, two main cords that go on either side of the spine, and there's a central column of the spine as well. Now, we do a lot of work to balance out the left side and the right side. So this little breathing exercise that I wanted to share um, can, can help people experience the difference between the left and the right, and then can balance them together. So if you lift your palm up so it's in front of your face and your thumb lift up your right thumb your right palm so that your thumb is pointing towards your right cheek and you can close off your right nostril with the side of your thumb you press that side of the nostril towards the center line so that you're breathing through the left side only Now, make that breath through your left side as long and slow and deep as you possibly can. (laughs) That's about all there is to it. We have four parts of the breath in Kundalini Yoga that we talk about often, and they're used in different ways. But in this this way, you can do a three-part breath where you inhale very long, slow and deep through your left nostril. Once you've inhaled, you hold that breath in. We call it suspending the breath. And that's a magical, wonderful, mystical moment revered by the yogis. And then just as slowly, exhale through that left nostril. When you're fully exhaled, when all the air is expelled from the lungs, just take another deep, long inhalation. So it's a three-part breath. The inhale the hold, and the exhale. All should be about the same amount of time. You can go up to about 20 seconds even, which is a one-minute breath. So then you have this mudra on the right side, which is kind of like an energy antenna, your fingers. All around us, we have an electromagnetic field. It's a physical phenomenon. If you have bioelectric energy going on inside your body, there is going to be a corresponding interaction with the magnetic field around your body. And many times this is called the aura or electromagnetic field. 
Some people now call it the bioelectric field or biomagnetic field. At any rate, your hand is there in this nice upward position of the fingers. And you're breathing long, slow, and deep. Also in Kundalini Yoga, close your eyes. We do almost everything with our eyes closed, but not everything. Sometimes they're open. And inwardly, let your eyesight, your awareness, come to what we call the third eye point, which is where your eyebrows would meet if they did meet. And it's a natural resting place. It doesn't take forcing. And we're just breathing, slowing down the breath. Okay, and then inhale very deeply this last time. And then exhale through both nostrils, bringing the right hand down. So this breathing through the left side is a cooling breath. Sometimes people use the color blue to describe it. If you're upset, agitated, mad, it's a great breath to do. If you had an argument with someone you love, the two of you could sit down and do this together, but if you can even do it. But if you did the other way, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes we balance by doing one side, but let's do that, Tammy. Great. Okay, so. Can I just add one thing that's really important, just because I want the listeners to know that we, since sure. we did this practice, any time any of you listeners have insomnia, if you practice breathing in and out through the left nostril only, just the way Dottam taught, you will be amazed at how quickly your insomnia passes. It's one of the greatest ways to fall asleep, and if we wake up in the middle of the night, to fall back asleep, left nostril breathing. Beautiful. Thank you. So on the other side, lift up your left hand so that it's straight up in front of your face with the thumb. Your left thumb is pointing back towards your left cheek. Close off your left nostril with the side of your thumb, pressing it in towards the center line so that you're breathing entirely through the right side. And again, we're going to inhale very long, slow, and deep. And then hold that breath. As you hold the breath, you can feel the energy that your breath brings you circulating through your body. Really tune into it. And then when you feel ready, exhale again through that right side, long, slow, and deep. Now, this is a warming, stimulating good for digestion. If you're perpetually cold, it's a good one. It stimulates the mind. It stimulates the passions. That navel fire, that flame that burns in our bellies, it can can fuel that. Keep slowing the breath down, little by little. Physiologically, these long, slow breaths activate the pituitary gland and the pineal gland to secrete differently, to wake up. The yogis talk about an awakening, which we now know of as an awakening of the pituitary gland, to secrete different hormones, to secrete different neuropeptides. 
So what you find often as you slow your breath down is that it gets easier. Your breath becomes more concentrated almost. The breath carries prana, the energy of the universe, the energy that makes us alive is prana. And so we're working with prana here to energize and awaken on this right side. And I think that's probably about the right amount of time to balance the left. So when you're done with the next round, please inhale fully and deeply through your right nostril. Then let your left hand down and slowly exhale. And one of the things in the book that we really stressed was this is the magic moment when you're done with the practice. Don't jump up. Have a moment to feel different, to assimilate it, to see what's going on inside, to thank that energy, to thank yourself for doing it. It's always good to thank yourself. And then when you feel ready, then you open your eyes and you go about your day, and it's been changed. <laughs> and that's why we teach this. That's why we love it. And then, Darm, just to ask you one question about the mm-hmm. practice that you taught. You mentioned that our thumb is on the side of our nose and that our fingers are extended like an antenna. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the bioelectromagnetic field that's surrounding the body and that there's some connection between the extending of our fingers and this bioelectromagnetic field. Can you help me understand that? How are our fingers acting as an antenna in some way? Mm. Yeah, they are. You don't have to know, Tammy. I mean, it's going to happen anyway. It's not like... But we do have a biomagnetic field, and they can take pictures of the energy that extends from your fingertips and around the hands. Our hands have billions of nerve endings that are firing and synaptic connections running from that hand up to your brain. So a whole lot is going on that we're really not aware of, and it's not necessary to sort of visualize the, uh, that antenna uh, going on. And... <laughs> It's also why we can go into so much depth. I mean, we can. Are you going to do a mantra, Karina? I think Karina is going to do something with a mantra, which suddenly change. It's not just about the energy; it's about the quality of the energy. What what we can change our energy from, say, anger or bored. That's a that's a quality of our energy, into something sacred. I, I just wanted to make a comment about the practice that you taught, which is, you know, it only took a handful of minutes. And yet it was so tremendously state-changing. And, you know, that's so interesting mm-hmm. that here there was this total mm-hmm. state change in just mm-hmm. a few minutes or less. Yes. Bingo. That's the power of Kundalini Yoga. <laughs> it really is. I felt it. <laughs> yeah. I just want to add one one um, answer to your question as well, Tammy. Um, Dudham and I, we work this way. We, we feed off each other. So I think that's, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, this antenna that we're creating with our hand, or if we're creating an antenna with our body, which we can do just in standing in Tadasana, 
the way I like to, to explain it is that an antenna communicates with another antenna. And this is the law of how we even have radios through the antennas, right? Remember the old-fashioned antennas in the car, you know, or, or the old-fashioned radios where we moved the bunny ears around or the television? Um, when we are working with mantra and we are working with a high thought process, which means we're working with positive thoughts and we're working with high um, frequencies from our energy field, the aura that Dunham was talking about, we are sending that message out to the rest of the world. So our auric field becomes a magnet which will literally attract that same frequency. And so when we're working with creating an antenna from a mudra and we're sending love out, we are literally becoming magnetic beings drawing more love in. And I love to explain this to people because so often we think, how can I get from A to B? Or how can I attract my love partner? Or how can I attract a drop of my dreams? Or how can I... It's way beyond the mind. It's about changing our energy field, dissolving the fear that can reside in that field with mantra, with sound, with kundalini yoga, with kundalini meditations, and then sending that vibratory message out into the, the energy field beyond us. Because as we know through quantum physics, like attracts like. So if we're sending out love, we're going to be drawing more love back in. And we start to see synchronicities happen. And we start to, just like in those few minutes we felt that shift, we start to see our lives operating in this shift. And I'm not saying that lightly. Um, I know for myself, if I'm not in my alignment, I need to do whatever it takes to get myself back into that alignment before I even get into my car. There's a quote from the book that I wrote down from Essential Kundalini Yoga that I liked, which speaks exactly to what you're saying. And here's the quote. Mm -hmm. The aura is an activation field. And I think that's so interesting. I think most of the time when people are doing yoga or stretching, they're not thinking, oh, I'm shifting the bioelectromagnetic right. field. And there's an activation involved. So tell us right. what you mean by this phrase, yeah. activation field. It's, it, it's, where, the, it's where creation and um, you know, action starts from that field. Um, just before I even answer that question, I want to say that in Kundalini Yoga, we have eight chakras, whereas in Hatha, there's seven. So the eighth chakra is this auric field, like an egg around us. And it's in that field where we clear, we seal, we, um, we recognize if we're holding anybody else's energy and we clear it. If it's not positive energy, we recognize if someone has been seeping our energy and there's a dent or a tear in that auric field. And we set an intention to bring that positive energy back in. And then what we do is we literally activate the potential for the illumination in that field and the, the healing of any rips, tears, or dents in that auric field so that we can live in our, our fullest potential by almost like walking around in a bubble. Um, you know, really, if we think of it like that, it's this bubble that, that lives around us. And if, and if we start to think about how 
if if something you know if we keep i have a friend who's petrified of bugs and she's gotten much better now because she's been doing a lot of kundalini yoga but beforehand she used to get every bug possible in her house until finally it was cockroaches and her house is so beautiful and clean and but she was attracting those bugs and once she started to recognize that to put that bubble around her and only send love out and not allow the fear to be attracting more of what she was afraid of, she never needed an exterminator, not that that was ever good anyway, but there's there's no more bugs. And that's the power of the activation of this energy field. Okay, Karina, you're going to take us through a second taste of kundalini yoga. Let's do it. Mm, okay. So I am going to bring a mantra in. Um, guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru. Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. And Guru, as I was saying before, means from darkness to light. Guru, and then Guru. Wa, as I was saying before, means wow. Hey, here and now. Guru. Anything that was dark becomes light. Ram, Das, this miraculous energy brings the darkness into light. So Guru, Guru, Wahi, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. And what we're going to do is we're going to inhale deeply with the eyes closed and let the eyes roll up and inward so you're looking at your third eye point with them closed. Almost like you're looking for a little golden ball right between your eyebrows. And now, Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. Inhale. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. Inhale. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. And as you do it this time, you're inhaling, inhaling. Send this vibratory frequency into that bubble. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. Inhale, let the mantra melt away any negativity. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das. Guru, inhale so deeply, bring that breath, command it all the way down to the base of the spine, deep, deep, deep breathing. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru, let all the breath out, navel to the spine, inhale, command that breath all the way down to the base of the spine, like you're pressing that breath all the way down into a cup, Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. Inhale, and this time we'll sing it very gently, like a little angel. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram, Das, Guru. Inhale. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram Das, Guru. 
It doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. You're just sending that vibratory frequency out. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram Das, Guru. Fill every single chakra in your body with the sound. Guru, Guru, Wahe, Guru, Guru, Ram Das, Guru. Feel it in your cells. One more time. Inhale. Bring that light. Bring that incredible, tangible feeling into every cell of your body. Guru. Guru. Wahe. Guru. Guru. Ram. Das. Guru. Let all the breath out. Now inhale, inhale, inhale. Bring it in. All that breath in. Bring in the light. Bring in the divine. Bring in the ecstasy. Bring in the miracles. Bring in every form of healing that you need. Wherever you need it, draw it in. If it's your heart, focus on your heart. Only light, only love. Hold, 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 hold. Exhale, turn the hands so the palms are facing up and the tops of your hands are gently resting on your legs and feel that shift. And just focus on your breath. And now inhale, sat, which means truth. Exhale, nam, which means name or identity or essence. And you recognize that this light, this love, this miraculous energy is the truth of my soul. Our highest selves know this. Our souls we're born into this world with this wisdom and awareness. We learned fear. And we relearn love. And we return to this place. And so for me right now, just even instructing this, I can feel a vibration in my body that is that vibration that I was talking about before of even in the midst of chaos, knowing that there is an avenue to bliss through our breath, through mantra, through the divine, through one another, through choosing love. Just a few more times, deep inhale, long exhale. And in the exhale, just let go of anything that's unsettling or painful, confusing. Just let it go. And as you inhale, bring in the light from the heavens and let that bathe everything and everyone you love, any area that needs healing in your body. And one more deep breath in. Again, hold that breath in. And as we press that breath all the way down into the base of the spine, there's like a cup there. And we're literally sending the breath to the fascia of the nerve endings that send messages to the parasympathetic nervous system to bring the nervous system a sense of calm. And as you exhale, you can let yourself feel that calmness. And Satnam, there's another meditation. Thank you.
Very welcome. You know, in the practice, one of the things that struck me is that part of your objective, the two of you together in this book on essential kundalini yoga, is to really make kundalini yoga widely accessible. Mm -hmm. And yet one of the challenges, even just this word guru, and even though, Karina, you defined Mm -hmm. it as darkness into light, the Mm -hmm. word guru triggers people, triggers certain people. Any foreign language word like that. You know, people say, I was raised in America. I speak English. Here I am chanting all of these words that are foreign. So what would you say to people who have a a recoil response and say, oh, this type of yoga must not be for me? The, The best way, I think, is the science. Some people have what I would say is a more spiritual side and and what you're kind of describing is a more Western scientific um, approach. And, and from a scientific uh, approach, think of these sounds as what, something we call the sound current, mm-hmm. which, is, which is creating a vibration um, in matter. That matter is in your body. You're making sound with your body in the air. That's why you can hear it. The little air molecules those tiny little things, they're vibrating with this sound. And then you have a phenomenon called sympathetic resonance in which like molecules will resonate. And this is how, somehow how, how strings will vibrate. Many Eastern Indi- Indian instruments, musical instruments, use sympathetic resonance. So you really, with this, with this little mantra, it's it's not really about creating the energy, it's creating the vibration within the energy. Yeah. Everybody will say, if you ask them, do you want more energy? Everybody says, oh, yeah, heck, yeah, I want more energy. And if you then say, well, well do you want more angry energy? People are like, no, no, of course not. You want more crazy energy? No, 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 no. Well, what exactly is the energy that you do want? What is the energy we're looking for? So these mantras use some of the most sacred, devotional, and universal. They're non-denominational. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key: is that this is we're not we're not um, specifically calling upon a, a specific guru by right. saying guru. Now we can we can all do that, but um, we're we're not we're not saying this is a religion. We're saying this is a technology and a science and that the vibration of guru is what we're creating as opposed to saying that we are, you know, calling upon, um, you know, Guru Gobind Singh, for example, right? That, that is a choice, but that is, that's not what we are, are saying needs to be done to practice kundalini yoga. And I think the word guru can, I know for me that, when I'm very triggered when I hear someone say, well, that's my guru, because for me, I have given my power away. And this is my own, this is my own personal, my own personal um, expression. And I'm just sharing something very vulnerable with all of you, because I feel like when I share my vulnerability, it helps others. And when others share theirs with me, it helps me to recognize I'm not alone, but I have given my power away to someone that I consider to be my guru. And I have fallen into extreme disappointment. And from my own experience, guru is a very powerful word because it's from 
within me. It's that it's the guru that lives inside of me that is not um, honoring another human being on this earth realm, but is honoring a light field that is in in the heavenly realm. Yeah, um, and I right. think that that's, that's very important, that you, we can use the word guru and recognize that guru is the light inside of me, not a representation of another human being who I'm going to bow to. I think that's very important in this day and age. Um, as we're going through this huge shift and this, you know, lots of paradigms are, are changing, lots of breakdowns in order for breakthroughs to occur, and we're recognizing how often we've given our power away. And I like to um, emphasize the importance of, of reclaiming that power so that we can share, and we're not asking people to um, look to us as gurus. I don't want anyone to ever think of me as a guru. The guru lives within you. I'm just going to be here as a teacher to help you find that spark inside of you. That's the new paradigm: is that you're bowing to a light. We have to we have to surrender because otherwise you hang on to your own stuff. And this ability to surrender and give up to something higher than ourselves is an important one. And in the old ways, and I think it ties back into one of your earlier questions, why was this held, held secret, is that people were asked to surrender to another human being. That human being might be the one who holds, holds these teachers, holds mm-hmm. these teachings. Mm-hmm. And I was very blessed in my life to, to have interacted with Yogi Bhajan to a large extent. And the way he talked about it, he said, this is a pipeline. You open the teacher or the guru is a is a is a conduit. There's no need. That was just some old politics, some old ego driven stuff to worship. And what Karina is saying is very beautiful though. There is there's a choice that people can make. But ultimately what we talk about in the book is that the term guru from going this is an energy, it's a direction. Going yeah. from yeah. darkness. To it's an light. energy. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't experience that, the other thing I wanted to say about Karina in, in your meditation um, that you just shared so beautifully is that it has to be experienced. We're not trying, you know, the beauty of Kundalini Yoga, like you said, Tammy, right after the, the exercises, you feel something. And I would say if you don't feel something, don't believe it. Mm, right. This is experiential. Right. And, yeah. You've got to, you, you know, so... So in writing this book, we just wanted to share these experiences that we had had so that other people could have them. And what they do with that, I think, is just going to be beautiful. Everybody will do it in their own way and with their own faith and with their own lineage, with their own narratives. Mm-hmm. And it does not matter if someone is, you know, sitting next to the Bible or the Torah or, you know, any, whatever religion um, we practice, this can be part of our our worship. If we do worship, um, you know, Buddhism, it's beautiful, beautiful practice to practice along with Buddhism. Any Muslim, any any religion at all, it's utilizing this as a technology. And it does come from the Sikh faith. And we do, you know, there are gurdwaras, which are the temples that um, Sikhs worship in, and there are kundalini 
um, yogis who also go to Gurdwara, and um, that is that's another choice. But it does not mean that if you practice Kundalini Yoga, you have to go to Gurdwara or you have to... Um, you know, not believe in, in Jesus or whatever it is that, that, that you believe in. That's very important. Otherwise, it does scare people. I have seen people say, can I still be Christian or can I still be Muslim? Of course, absolutely. Bring that in. Bring all of, of your, your own religion in while you're practicing, and that's the other beauty of it. I just want to ask one final question, and this is another sentence that I pulled out of the book, Essential Kundalini Yoga which is filled with so much scientific information, as well as dozens and dozens of practices and sequences for different challenging experiences people might be facing in their life. Here's the sentence. In essential kundalini yoga, you're activating the love frequency phenomenon. What is the love <laughs> frequency phenomenon <laughs> you know we this is just what i was saying what and what's the what's the vibration that you want to live by you want more energy but the love frequency is actually an algorithm of energy that goes into our entire being it activates ourselves it activates our consciousness we have seen it again and again and again it's the highest most beautiful frequency there is, and which is why we're, as humans, so attracted to love. Mm -hmm. The most compelling force that we have, it's also the most powerful force. But it's nebulous. We don't, we don't hold on to it very well. You know, we can go to a yoga class, go to our, do our meditation practice, and then jump out in traffic, and all of a sudden, you know, we're swearing at the neighbor next door. So this love frequency phenomenon is we... we uh, created that term to describe all the benefits that happen when our frequency in our aura, within our being, within our consciousness, is vibrating at that frequency that we mm -hmm. call love. And that's not necessarily a kundalini yoga term. It's, uh, like as Dharam was saying, it's something that we came up with just from from trial and error and how are we going to explain this to people where they'll understand and then you know we thought of the love frequency phenomenon um but if you think about shame and guilt as being the absolute lowest frequency and we all know how awful it feels right and some people are more prone to shame depending on their childhood and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then we think of of love as the highest frequency if we can use a mantra as almost, you know, a, a transportation to take us out of shame or out of fear, which is just one level up from shame, into love, we bring ourselves into that buzzing frequency where we can feel that tangible sensation in ourselves. But if we sit and say, hey, Tammy and Dutham, how you doing today? You know what, let's just think about love cool it's you know we go yeah but i'm kind of stuck on this thing well no just think love just think love just think love then the brain starts to say think love 
think, I can't, now I'm just thinking more fear. Now I'm mad. Now I'm getting frustrated. But when we use the mantras or the yoga or the breathing as a means of transportation to take us out of that dark tunnel and to uplift us into that love frequency phenomenon, all of a sudden we start to feel that our energy changes and we change from that external energy field, that bubble, in towards our hearts. And that's where the true transformation happens because we're not thinking it, we're actually activating it. As we were saying before about activating the aura, we're activating it, we're creating it. It becomes an action-oriented phenomenon instead of just the mind trying to play games with us. I've been speaking with Karina Virginia and Dharam Khalsa. Together, they've created a new book called Essential Kundalini Yoga, an invitation to radiant health, unconditional love, and the awakening of your energetic potential, a book that contains many of the essential practices and the essential principles of Kundalini Yoga, a book that makes Kundalini Yoga accessible to anyone. I want to thank you both for all of the effort, love, and good energy that you've brought into the creation of this book, Essential Kundalini Yoga. It's filled with so many helpful practices and sequences and all of the technical information that anyone would need to be able to practice Kundalini Yoga on their own. Thank you both, and thanks for being with us here on Insights at the Edge. Thank you, Tammy, so much for having us and and for bringing us into the Sounds True family because it has been such an incredible journey working with every single one of you. You're such magnificent people. And um, it, I know for me, and I think I can say this for Dudham as well, um, but I'll let you talk after Dudham. I, I just um, feel um, so grateful for, for having this, this vessel of Sounds True to bring these these incredible teachings to the world. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Tammy. We're, we're really honored to, to be here with you today, too. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>